I'm Professor Alice Roberts and I have got a brand new book out and I'm taking it on tour. Love that, uh, taking a book on tour. And the book sounds really interesting, um, really kind of looking at um, uh, life, death and disease in the Middle Ages and beyond. Sounds fascinating and very gory at the same time. It is incredibly gory. I mean, I I really wouldn't have liked to live in the in the Middle Ages. There were so many different things that could have got you, uh, from kings issuing out hate speech and causing you know violence to erupt in medieval society to, well, all the all the wars and uh, you know endless battling with the French that was going on. Uh, the Mary Rose is one of the stories in my book, uh, and then of course there's a whole pile of infectious diseases that they just had no idea how to treat. Yeah. Um, but we now have the ability to diagnose them, which is just incredible. So we're using genetics to go back and look at ancient bones and find out much, much more than we've ever been able to before. about diseases that's, in the past. That's, Yeah, that's so fascinating, isn't it? You know, the, the ability to use uh, modern technology and what we know now to go back and uncover more secrets. I mean, that must be really fascinating, uncovering new things all the time. Yeah, I mean, it is incredible. I mean, it's like people would be familiar with PCR testing because of COVID, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so we can mm. we can genetically uh, detect things like viruses and, and bacteria. And we can obviously sequence them. And in COVID, we were tracking it and, mm. and looking at new variants appearing through time. But we can also take the long view and do this in the past. And we can basically use that same technology, but apply it not to swabs that people have stuck into their throats and up their noses, <laughs> Um, but to samples of bone and we can even do it on the tiny little ear bones um, the little mm. ossicles from the ear um, and we can detect not only human dna so obviously the there'll be the dna of that individual there but also any pathogens that they had on board at the time and that's mm. just leading to astonishing revelations amazing and yeah and, and a lot of people are sort of living through covid you know a few years ago thank goodness we're kind of out of that now but a lot of people may be looking to the past, making comparisons between, you know, pandemic that we just had and sort of previous pandemics and things like that. Yeah, I mean, the story of plague is really fascinating because we know we know now, um, and this is you know very, very recent knowledge, that um, the, the big plague that erupted in East Asia at the end of the 19th century and then kept rumbling on into the 20th century, that pathogen was identified by microscopists, by microbiologists, as something called Yersinia pestis, mm -hmm. and um, and then when genetics came along, obviously that was that was identified genetically. It was sequenced, and we now know that the Black Death in the 14th century was the same thing. And then we can go back even further in the sixth century. There was a big plague that swept through the Byzantine Empire. That was the same plague pathogen, Yersinia mm. pestis, the same bug, and wow. then it goes right back into prehistory as well. That is a that is a bit of a sober lesson as well because that shows you what happens when a really nasty pathogen goes endemic. So it shows you mm. that you can get these big explosions of um, virulence where suddenly, you know, in the Black Death, mm. we estimate that between a third and half the population was wiped out. Um, then it kind of goes undercover for a bit and then it can re-erupt again. Mm. So I think, you know, we say that COVID's over, but it's not, of course. It is no. circulating. Most people will have had it again this year, if not, you know, once, maybe a couple of times. So we have to be really careful about that because if COVID mutates to become more virulent, mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of it out there still. So we're still quite vulnerable. We still need to, you know, yeah. keep up our keep up our um you know our vigilance against it and you know try to get rid of it in our population and, i think 
And this is interesting looking to the past and looking at sort of patterns and what happened then. We can learn from that, um, you know, in our own kind of lives and what we live through in the present day. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the mm. whole point of it. That, and that's what I really want to do is, you know, bring the past alive, connect mm. people with those with those past lives so that we're not just seeing, you know, a bunch of old bones. We're actually yeah. thinking about people um, and we're we're reconstructing kind of biographies of people whose, you know, whose actual biographies were never written down. But we can find out so much about people in the past now. There's an incredible story. Um, the last chapter in the book is about the burial, uh, the grave of um, what we think is an anchoress from York. So somebody, a woman who was kind of holed up in a church, sealed up in a church. Um, and uh, we can identify her, I think. I think, you know, it's 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 not 100%, but we're pretty sure that she is the person that we've tracked down historically in the historical documents. I mean, that's incredible mm. to be able to, you know, that's that's very unusual to be able to look at a um, somebody in a grave from hundreds of years ago and to actually know who they are unless of course it's written on a tombstone um, <laughs> but even in those people who we, you know when we don't know their names we can still find out a lot about them a lot about their lives about their experiences mm. as humans and it, I think it brings us closer to them yeah like you say you know if you look at a pile of old bones it's like oh there's a pile of bones from years ago what relevance is that to me but if you think about it as a human you can yeah. sort of think of it as a person and that kind of personal story that really brings it to life and makes it more relevant doesn't it yeah, and there's some great mm. stories. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I feel quite I feel like an archaeologist when I'm writing the book as well because I'm digging out these incredible <laughs> stories. The stories from um, the story from the uh, the leprosy hospital in Winchester is is amazing, uh, where there was a you know leprosy hospital that set up in the Middle Ages yeah. as leprosy was you know um, really kind of rife across Europe, probably because of so much travel actually. So there was a lot of travel to the Middle East. Some of it tourism, so some of it going to Jerusalem on pilgrimage. Um, that's what medieval medieval tourists did. They went on pilgrimage. Um, some of it, of course, conflict. So there was the Crusades as well, with you know, with um, with armies going over to the Middle East, and that just helps to move pathogens yeah. around very effectively. Um, and there's a so there's a whole cemetery full of individuals who have evidence mm. for for leprosy. Some of them actually you can't see it in the bones, but it's there genetically. Um, and that's interesting because, you know, it means that you can diagnose diseases even when there's not a mark left on the bones. It's there in the DNA. And there's one there's one burial of a young man who's got a scallop shell with him, a pierced scallop shell. And that is a symbol of St. James. So I think it's very likely that he was a pilgrim and that he went on that pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela. He came back wow. with a probably a bag with a with a scallop shell attached to it amazing stories no, amazing and really interesting to tell the stories and to you know kind of bring that history to life um why do you think people are interested particularly in kind of the blood and the guts and the gore where does what's the fascination with that do you think for people i think it's because we all suffer during our lives you know you can't really avoid it and we suffer in all sorts of different ways and i think that uh it's it's interesting to look at life experiences in the past it's also there's a slight element of being smug about it that we can look at those diseases <laughs> in the past and go, oh, poor things, they didn't have antibiotics or vaccinations. Um, it reminds us, I suppose, rather than being smug, we should just be very, very grateful yes. um, for modern medicine and you know yeah. how transformative that's been over the 20th into the 21st yes. centuries. So you mentioned the Mary Rose and the shipwreck. I mean, that's kind of a, a legend. There's all sorts of stories I imagine coming from that, isn't there? 
Oh my god! Well, I remember uh, watching that on Blue Peter when I was a kid, and <laughs> it was so exciting watching this amazing Tudor warship being not only investigated at the bottom of the Salem, but being brought up. Mm. And I just, yeah, I remember that so well. Yeah. Um, and Alex Hildred, who was one of the divers, the the archaeologist who was originally diving on that, uh, is still a curator at the Mary Rose Museum. And I've, I've talked to her in the book <laughs> and I've gone back to look at the skeletons from the Mary Rose Museum. And this quite often happens when I'm writing is that I'll, I'll, um, I'll start to get really interested in a particular mm. story and I'll follow it up. And I went to the museum and looked at the um, archive with all the bones again. And we've we've cooked up another research project. So <laughs> it doesn't stop. So, it's like a rabbit it hole, isn't it? On. You kind of go yeah. and explore on something and something else comes up. And then before you know it, you're kind of, whoa, down this kind of journey. But it must be yeah. really fascinating, you know, doing what you do and learning those stories and then sort of bringing them to people as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just, I've always been interested in this intersection between history and biology, mm. archaeology and genetics. So that's kind of flowed through um, all my big BBC landmark series, things like yeah. Incredible Human Journey and Origins of Us. Um, so, yeah, it's such an exciting yeah. area of science. And you started off training to be a doctor, didn't you? So how did the kind of the history element come into that? Yeah, I was a doctor. So um, I, you know, medically trained. I I did my junior doctor jobs uh, and then I got delightfully derailed into academia. I mean, I, you know, I would have been quite happy as a surgeon as well. Um, and I quite often say, you know, I am actually a failed surgeon. Um, <laughs> but I got um, fascinated with old bones and also clinical anatomy. So um, I used to teach anatomy at Bristol University mm-hmm. and I I ended up doing a PhD looking at uh disease and disease and ancient bones particularly around the shoulder joint I was quite I was quite um intrigued by the shoulder joint uh but yeah it's just always been a fascination for me mm. uh that mm. kind of that kind of intersection between medicine and yes. and history and so with this book I've you know I've really returned to that I've really returned to you know I suppose my original fascination with the subject which was all about how you can diagnose diseases in a skeleton you know it seemed <laughs> even you know as a doctor it seemed impossible to me when I started doing this work I was like well, I can't ask the patient where it hurts and I you know I can't take blood tests or anything like that um how on earth am I going to extract any information from this skeleton but you can going on tour sort of meeting people and having conversations that must be interesting as well for you I love going on tour. Uh, you know, I love making television programs and radio programs and I love writing books. Uh, but uh, it can be, you know, you're away from your audience when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like social media. I like being able to jump on social media when my when my programs are going out, for instance, and chatting to people about, you know, what they're interested in and what their questions are. Uh, but the tour is an opportunity to do that. So I'll be talking about the book. I'll be sharing some more behind the scenes stories as well um, from all the filming that I'm doing. Uh, and I will do a Q&A with the audience too. So mm. it's always interesting to hear people's questions. And there are always questions that I, I haven't anticipated. Yeah. And that's that, mu- that must be fascinating, you know, having questions fired at you thinking, oh, where did that come from? And so- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And there's, do you know, there's a, there's a wealth of expertise in those questions. That's what I find really interesting. And it's it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about scientists engaging with the public you know the public is huge and diverse and has all sorts of expertise and all sorts of life experience as well so it's good for scientists to be communicating in that way absolutely so um you're coming to g live as part of a tour on the uh 4th of march um but how can we find out more about you about your books and the other work that you do 
Well, I've got a website. So if you search for my website, it's just alice-roberts.co.uk. And there are links there to all of the all of the dates on the tour and it will take you through to the theatre pages mm-hmm. where you can buy tickets. Um, and there's also links to all of my books on my website too. Um, so I think I've written about 15 popular science books now. Oh, wow. them up. Seems impossible to me, but uh, yeah. And of course, my children's novel, Wolf Road as well. And I'm just writing a follow up to that. But yeah, so there's a lot of that on my website. Um, but if you want a bit more of a chat with me, then come and find me on social media. Yes. I'm on Instagram. I'm on um, Twitter. I refuse to call it X. Um, oh, we don't know what we call it. Well, yeah. X- no. <laughs> Uh, Twitter for X formerly Twitter. It's a bit of a mouthful, oh, isn't it? Bring yeah. back the cute little blue exactly. bird. We need a little blue bird. There you go. Yeah. Um, interesting, you mentioned about children's books as well. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, so um, my first uh, children's novel debuted um, last year, um, and it was I was delighted because it was one of the the best selling um, debut children's books of last year. It's about a girl in the ice age. It's something I'd wanted to write about okay. for a very long time, and I'd started writing the story for my own kids, and then obviously talked to my publisher about it, and they said, "Well, I think other children might want to read about this." So, yeah, it's about a twelve year old girl in the ice age, and it's about her way of life. It's oh. I started off by. Um, making it as real as I possibly could so it's all based on real archaeological discoveries what we know about climate and environment at the time Mm. all of that so it's very authentic um and hopefully it transports you back to that that ice age world the world of the paleolithic um yeah and I'm just writing the the second which is like the difficult second album I'm finding the second <laughs> yeah. book much more of a struggle than the first <laughs> I suppose you've told the story it's like where do you go from there so how do you explore the character and also to put it in a in a language and a kind of a format that's accessible to younger readers as well I mean how, how what was that process like well that was basically my children were the guinea pigs oh they, okay um, that was that was fairly straightforward actually because <laughs> I would read it to them as I was writing it. Um, and they were fantastic. So, you know, they the what's yeah. happening next? Tell us what's happening next. I was like, no, you have to wait until we get there. Yeah. Brilliant. Do you think your children are going to follow in your footsteps and go down the sort of the line of work that you've gone down, do you think? I don't know. It's really interesting. I've got a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old and uh, they're... They're each they're each of them very different to me and different to my husband. I think it's I'm absolutely fascinated. You know, as an anthropologist, I'm fascinated by children and you know what they're going to mm. turn into. Yes. Um, but they are both much more musical than I am. I can say ah. that because I'm not I'm not musical at all. Okay. Um, and I'm rather delightfully surrounded in my house by people who not only love music but also play music as well, and that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm not musical. I bought a guitar in lockdown with the view of learning to play it. It just sits there. Um, um, usually appears on video calls sometimes. And like, oh, you got a guitar? It's like, yeah, it's just a prop. It's fine. <laughs> Don't actually have to play it. <laughs> but there we go. Really lovely to talk to you. And we're looking look forward to seeing you at uh, G Live in Guildford in March. Oh, I'm really looking forward to coming yeah. back to G Live. It's always a great audience. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you, um, Wes Alex. Thanks for your time. Thank you.